Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Psalm chapter 89 and verse 15. The Bible says, Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. In thy name shall they rejoice all the day, and in thy righteousness shall they be exalted. For thou art the glory of their strength, and in thy favor our horn shall be exalted. For the Lord is our defense, and the Holy One of Israel is our King. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 9. The Bible says this, and Nehemiah, which is the Tirshatha, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them, for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. Let's pray. Father, God in heaven, Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord, to be in your house today. God, I'm so thankful, Lord, that you've seen fit to bring us once more to the Lord's house, Lord, to bless us, God, to give us uh, our health and to give us a way to get to church. And God, Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, for every soul that's here this morning. I pray, God, if you would, please anoint me with your spirit. God, empty me, Lord, of myself and empty me, Lord, of any sin that might be in me. God, fill me with your spirit this morning. Help me, God, to preach with power and unction from the Holy Ghost. God, there is in me nothing good. I have no ability. I have no Wisdom, Lord, I have no strength. Lord, all my strength is in you. And I pray, God, this morning, if you would, please help me to preach and and help these people's hearts that they might receive it, Lord. How we need you in this hour. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The joy of the Lord, I'm afraid, is missing in a lot of churches today. The joy of the Lord uh, is something that we all have or have had if we are saved at one point or another. You think about that word joy, it's a word that we might would use pretty regularly. But the word joy, you look at the definition of that, it is a a passion or emotion excited by the acquisition or expectation of good. Good, a joy, is a delight of the mind from the consideration of the present or assured approaching possession of a good. Joy is something that we have because of good in our lives. That is why it is called the joy of the Lord. Amen. Because our joy does not come from ourselves. Our joy does not come from our circumstances. Our joy, if we are going to have true joy, our joy must come from the Lord. Without a doubt, there are many, every Sunday and Wednesday and, and, and special meetings or whatever it may be, that, that walk into the back of the church and they come in and in their hearts they have the joy of the Lord. That throughout the week from Sunday to Sunday, at times they may find themselves in prayer and experience the joy of the Lord. They might find themselves uh, somewhere reading their Bible and experience the joy of the Lord. They might find themselves in the car or in the truck going down the road and and playing the songs of the Lord. You know, some of those old hymns, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, or 
or whatever it may be. And, and, and as they hear those words and they are reminded of how good their God is, they experience the joy of the Lord. Amen. That joy of the Lord is something that tends to well up inside the heart of a Christian uh, uncalled for. I mean, it's something that you don't drum up and build up and pump up. It's just there. And when you are reminded of, as, what the, as the definition described it, a present or assured approaching good, then you experience the joy of the Lord. There's many people that come into church every Sunday and every service and, and throughout the week, and right then as they come in, and as the songs of Zion are saying, amen, like we sang this morning during the, the congregational singing about how that we are saved by the Lord, amen, and that we will begin to experience the joy of the Lord in our hearts, amen. But for everyone, every individual that walks in with the joy of the Lord, I'm afraid that there are multiple who sit coldly, unmoved by God's music, by God's message. Just, there's just no movement. And when I see that, I have to wonder, where's the joy? Where is the joy? Well, it's, you know, it's just been a long week. It's just been kind of tough. It's just been this or it's just been that. But my Bible teaches me that joy is not something that, be, that comes because of your circumstances. It comes because of your Savior. It should have been a stronger amen right there. It's not something that comes from your circumstances. It's something that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And your circumstances might change, but He doesn't. Amen. You might, have, you might be going through a hard time. You might be facing this, facing that. But God is good all the time. Amen. And if you're saved, you're still saved. And you've still got a reason to have joy. Amen. That the joy of the believer, the joy of the Lord, the verse we read there in Nehemiah chapter 8, and verse number 10 said this very, very powerful and important phrase. And it's this. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's your strength. Well, I'm facing this or I'm facing that. And I've got this going on and I've got that going on and I just don't feel like I have any joy. Well, that's going to be a problem because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that's what I want to preach on this morning. I want you all to go with me. I want to show you a couple things real quickly. First of all, I want to show you the source of our joy. And we all know what that is. But in 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3, the Bible says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You know what that said? Blessed be the Lord God, who in His mercy hath begotten us again. You know what that is? Being born again. Hallelujah! That we've been born again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And not only that, He said this, you got born again, and you got an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and is reserved in heaven for you. Amen. That means not only did you get born again, but now you get to go to heaven. Hallelujah. In the next verse, here's what he said. He said, who are kept by the power of God. Aren't you glad that it's Him that keeps us? Amen. If it was me, I think I'd drop it from one Sunday to the next. I don't think I could do it. In fact, I know I couldn't do it. Because I can barely walk knowing He keeps it. But He has not only saved us, but He's keeping us according to His power. Under, through faith unto salvation that He is keeping us ready to be revealed. Amen. Wherein ye greatly rejoice. Now, we greatly rejoice in what? In that we have been saved. The source of our joy, first of all, is our acceptance of Him. Amen. Have you been saved? Have you been saved this morning? Raise your hand if you've been saved this morning. You've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Rejoice. Amen. You know what Jesus told the disciples when they got all, power, all, all built up about doing miracles and casting out devils? He said this in Luke 10, 20, Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, 
but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Are you saved this morning? Then rejoice. Amen. Not sometimes, all the time. Amen. You ought to be always ready to rejoice and feel the joy of God because you've been saved. Amen. That you'll never feel the fire of hell. Amen. I, I can get you to rejoice. I can talk about some things to get you excited. And some people, when if UK were to win a, a, a game-winning goal at the end of the buzzer, they'd be up and hollering, two hands in the air, kicking and hugging and shouting. Amen. And I've been guilty of that too. Uh, there's times in the past, I remember one time my brother was over at my dad's house and we were watching the Indianapolis Colts play the Patriots, who we all know are Satan's football team, the Patriots. And we were watching them play and man, they were behind and it was, it was back in the, you know, the golden days of Peyton Manning and Tom Brady head to head all the time. And Tom Brady and them, they were playing like they do, you know, well, and I hated it. And they were way up ahead and it just looked dreary and we were sitting there and dad had gone to bed because he hates football anyway and me and Caleb were sitting there watching it. And I mean, they, they made a miraculous comeback and at the end of the game scored a touchdown that just wrapped it all up and they were rejoicing. Me and Caleb literally ran out the front door and were hugging and jumping on the front porch and screaming because mom and dad were in bed and we didn't want them to come in there and be mad at us for home. So I get it, being excited about things. But there ought not be anything in life, literally nothing in life, that excites you more than knowing that you're saved. Amen. Nowadays, it's hard to get God's people to even rejoice when a sinner gets saved. When somebody walks the aisle and we literally watch them become a new creature before our very eyes. And it's like, well, amen. Rejoice. Rejoice. A rejoicing is an outward showing, an outward expression of inward joy. And the reason that none of, you, none of us are rejoicing like we used to is because that inward joy isn't like it used to be. The source of our joy, first of all, should be that we are saved. Hallelujah, that we have missed out on hell. You know, that's something to be excited about. It's not just, amen. No, I mean, hallelujah. When's the last time that you as an individual rejoiced over your salvation? That you shed tears of joy knowing that you don't have to go to hell and that God came down to where you were and He rescued you and pulled you out of the muck and the mire. When's the last time? What did God save you from? Amen. Some of us this morning have got better stories than others. We were in Sunday school this morning talking about in the individual soul liberty and how you have to decide to be saved and, and talking about how that sin you know, in your life from before you were saved and stuff. And I asked them, when were you saved? And one was eight, one was seven, one was eight, I was eight. I said, well, none of us probably did anything too terrible by the time we were eight years old, most of us. Nothing too bad. You know, sin, yes, and equally guilty, but nothing too what the world would consider awful. But can we agree this morning, there's, there's some folk here this morning who didn't get saved at seven, didn't get saved at eight. Or maybe you did, but then you ran from God and, and you went down this road and you went places you never should have gone, did things you never should have done, saw things, you never should have seen. But the Lord came down to where you were. And He got right down where you were. He didn't make you come up to Him and, and start showing that you could live it and everything else. But He went right down in the nasty, wicked world where you were. And He picked you up out of it. And He brought you unto Himself and made you a joint heir with Christ. Rejoice. Amen. Rejoice. The song says, if you knew what I once was, then you'd know why I love Him so. If I could show you what He brought me from, then you'd know why I love Him so. And, and you know what I'm afraid has happened? We've just kind of forgot. We forgot what God did for us when He saved us. Well, I'm just a Christian. I've been a Christian for so, so many years. and I've done this and I've done that and I do this and I do that. No, no, you're just a dead dog. You're just a sinner saved by grace. And that's what I am. And it is only by His mercy that He's reached way down to where I was and He brought me up unto Himself and He saved me. And therefore, I should have joy because of my acceptance of Him. I accepted Him. And now, I'm a part of His inheritance. I'm a Christian. I'm like Him. I'm like Mephibosheth. I can pull up to the table and I look like everybody else even though I'm just a lame man on my feet that I can do nothing, that I look like a child of God because... 
He's adopted me into the family of God. What a reason to rejoice. Amen. From our acceptance of Him, we should have joy. He said this, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse number 6, Though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaven, is through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Verse 8, listen to this. Whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. That old song says, I've found a friend who is all to me. His love is ever true. I love to tell how He lifted me and what His grace can do for you. Saved by His power divine. Saved to new life sublime. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete. For I'm saved, saved, saved. When's the last time you sang the songs that we sang on Sunday morning like we did this morning? How that you've been washed in the blood and eternally saved and you felt the joy of the Lord. When's the last time? You say, well, does it really matter? Yes. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. So let me say this and I'll move on. If you've got no joy, you've got no strength. Listen to me this morning. Everybody listen. If you've got no joy, you've got no strength. Not only is the source of our joy uh, in that we have accepted Him, but the source of our joy comes from our anticipation of Him. Verse 8, as we read there, it said this, Whom having not seen, ye love. And whom having, though you see Him not, ye believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We are rejoicing and we have joy because of our anticipation of Him. 1 John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should not be called the sons of God, or that we should be called the sons of God. Sorry, therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. I've never seen the Lord. Not with these eyes. I've never heard Him speak out of heaven with an audible voice. I've never seen His face or the light of His glory. I've never even had an experience like the Apostle Paul did with that bright light shining down out of heaven. I've never seen the Lord. But I will. I will. And the anticipation of Christ who He is and what a joy it is to love Him and what a joy it is to believe Him and to believe in Him that with that love and that faith we can rejoice and that joy that we have in us that comes from our faith is joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's unspeakable because sometimes, literally, it's hard to speak. You ever felt the joy of the Lord so much well up inside that you wanted to say something for the Lord and you just just wouldn't come out? Because you feel like no, you just, no matter what you say, you're never going to be able to say how good He really is. And how, how much you love Him. And how good He's been to you. And how much you're looking forward to finally seeing Him. Some of y'all are sitting here this morning, and I'm afraid you're going, I don't know what you're talking about. Can I tell you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you've got a problem. Because my God is real. He's not a figment of my imagination. He's not some sense of, of euphoria that I experience from time to time and, and call it God. He's a real God who I believe in as much as I believe in the walls inside this room. And I know that He's real. And I cannot wait to see Him. Amen. To lay eyes on the One who laid His life down at the cross for me. To lay eyes on the One who is, who's been there for me in, in all the hardest times of my life, that He's held my hand and walked with me, that he's, he's the comfort in my soul. Amen. That knowing that one day that we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. That anticipation ought to bring you joy. 
You know what I'm afraid? I'm afraid sometimes when Christians think about the rapture, they think about going to heaven, the only thing they experience is fear. Because they're so wrapped up in the things of the world that they can't even focus on the joy of Christ. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You know how we get through the loss of loved ones and death? The joy of the Lord. That's how people who go through tough times can can do it and still serve God and stay in church and, and stay right because they have the joy of the Lord. And that is our strength. It comes from our acceptance of Him and our anticipation of Him and from our assurance of Him and His promises. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. It's impossible. It's impossible for God to lie. There's a lot of debate one way or another about, well, when Jesus came to the earth, and could He have sinned, or could He not ever have sinned, or... You know, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of debate on this side, a lot of debate on that side. I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing. It was impossible for him to lie. Impossible. Which means every promise he's ever made is as good as gold. He don't need the FDIC to back him up. He's going to come through. Every single time, every promise he's ever made, and everything he ever said he was going to do, guess what? He's going to do that. So what did he say? He said this in Hebrews 13, 5. He said, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he had said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That means that no matter what happens, he'll never leave. Amen. That he will always be right there. Right there outside. Right there at the reach whenever you need him. It doesn't matter how far you've gone or what you've done or how you've sinned or how you've failed. That if you will call out on God, that he will answer. He'll never leave thee. He'll never forsake you. That's what he said, and it's true. He said, lo, I'm with you always. And guess what? He is. It's impossible for him to lie. That he loves us, and he he died for us, and he saved us. And he walks with us. Isn't Isn't that what he said? He'd never leave us. He'd never forsake us. That he'd supply all our need according to his riches and glory. John 10, 28. And I give them unto them eternal life, they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave, me the, gave them me, He is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Our assurance of Him should bring us joy. You know what that is? That Jesus has just been so good. Has He been good? Has He blessed you? He's blessed me. He hath dealt bountifully with me, the verse says. The Lord's given me everything I ever wanted. He has. Now, there's some things maybe I may have wanted at this time or that that wasn't good for me, but the truest, the truest, deepest desires of my heart, the Lord has given them to me. And guess what? He didn't have to. There's no promise in here that anything, everything you ever want, ever, God will give it to you. That when we ask and we pray, we ask according to His will. And there's some things that you might want. You know, you might want a Ferrari, but it may not be the Lord's will. Amen. You might want a billion dollars, but it may not be the Lord's will. He said, you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. I think that's all Ferraris. Amen. Amen. I told the Lord one time, if He'd give me a million, I'd give the church 900000 I'm still waiting on the still waiting on the million. Because the Lord knows it's just you want to consume that hundred thousand on your own lust. The Lord has blessed me much more than I ever deserved. Even more than I thought he would, honestly. He's given me children who I love, beautiful children. I happen to think they're the prettiest kids in the world, and I'm supposed to, because they're mine. He gave me a lovely wife who loves the Lord and serves the Lord with me. Now he's allowed me to work full-time in the ministry, which is a dream when, you're, when you want to serve the Lord, to be able to live your whole life for him. I mean, that's, that's literally, it's the Lord blessing me way beyond anything that I deserve. What sort of a person would I be if I didn't praise him? What sort of person are you if you won't praise him? Amen. 
And I'm not talking about some generalized idea of praising the Lord in our hearts. No, I'm talking about the sacrifice of the praise of our lips. Literally. A hand raising... When's the last time you had a holy hand go up toward God? That you felt a stirring of the Lord in your heart? That you stood up during church and raised a hand? Or that you said amen in a form of praise or hallelujah or praise the Lord or, or just stood up and said, I want to thank the Lord for saving me. If you've not done that in a year, then the joy's broke. If you've not done that in two years, the joy's broke. If you've never done that, something is wrong. And I don't know how you're going to make it. You're not going to make it without the joy of the Lord. You're not. So, well, you don't know that. Yes, I do. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And there's some times that are coming our way and we are going to need it. Your own grit and your own commitment and your own strength will only get you so far. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We see the source of our joy. And I want to show you the strength of our joy. Nehemiah 8.10 The Lord, the joy of the Lord is your strength. First, it is our strength to stand Habakkuk 3, verse 17 said, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olives shall fall, and the fields shall yield no meat, the flocks shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and He will make my feet like hind's feet, and He will make me to walk upon mine high places. Here's what he said. There's a day coming when the fig tree won't blossom, the fruit of the vines won't be there, the olive's going to fail, the fields will bring no meat, and the flock's going to be cut off. There's not a single herd in the stalls. And when that day comes, I'll still rejoice in the Lord. You know why? Because the Lord God is my strength. The Lord God and His joy is my strength first to stand. Ephesians 6.13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. You know what that verse tells me? That for each of us there is what is called an evil day. It's a bad day coming. There is a bad day coming when the devil and all of his angels who have planned their plan to destroy you will finally in one fell swoop rise against you. And when they do, if you don't have the joy of the Lord, if you're dry and empty and dead in your heart with no joy, you will not stand. Our strength to stand comes from our joy. That when we come in here and we're borne down from all the attacks of Satan and fight, battling temptation and, and battling the attacks of the world and, and battling those who are against us and oppress against us on every side, that we come in here on Sunday and we just we need to be refreshed. You know what's refreshing? The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is refreshing. You come in here and the song is saying, and you feel the Holy Spirit well up inside of you, and the tears begin to flow down your eyes, and, and you go down to the altar and you just say, Lord, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Thank you, Lord, for just being so good to me. And you feel that joy and you're refreshed. And, and then you go out there and guess what? The world comes at you again and again and again. And again, you know how we can stand it? Because we have the joy of the Lord. If serving God was miserable, nobody would do it. I have joy in my heart. Deep, deep down in my heart. Amen? J-O-Y, down in my heart. Deep, deep down in my heart. Who put it there? Jesus put it there. And nothing can destroy it. Destroy it. Destroy it. Huh. I've got joy down in my heart. Deep, deep down in my heart. Somebody needs to tell your face that your heart has joy in it. Amen. Some of y'all look like you're mad. And I'm preaching on the joy of the Lord. What's wrong with you? Where is it? Where is the joy? So, well, what is joy? It's happiness. Smile. And I know not everybody smiles all the time. And that's fine. But sometimes you got to be in church and think, man, it sure is good to be saved. I'm glad I'm here. Brother Gordon Berry, my dad's assistant pastor, always used to say, 
I'd rather be here than the best nursing home and the best hospital in America. And I never, th- I don't know, have any idea what that means. I mean, I don't want to be in the hospital or the nursing home, you know what I mean? But he's saying, you know, I'd rather be here than anywhere, I guess. I don't know. But can I tell you, some of you come in here and you look like maybe you are visiting the hospital. We walk in here and we think, man, you know what? It's fine, whatever. But we've been saved. We've got the Lord. Or, or do you? Because if you do, then that joy that's in there sometimes has got to come out. Because the joy of the Lord is what he said. The writer in Habakkuk, he said this. He said, when there's no fruit, there's no figs, there's no olives, there's no beef, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. It's more than just an inward secret joy. It's rejoicing. There's a problem with a child of God who does not rejoice ever. You've got no joy. What happened to it? It's our strength to stand. It's our strength to stay. John chapter 6, verse 66. There were so many around who followed the Lord around. The Lord gave them some strong meat and it said, from that time many of His disciples went back and walked no more with Him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. When things get hard and the heathen rage, and you see people quitting, you know what will keep you from quitting? The joy of the Lord. Knowing that He is God. And that there's nowhere you can go to get what you can get here from Him. People are going to the bars. They're going to the streets and the drugs. They're going to the fulfillment of their flesh. They're going outside their marriages and they're going outside their homes. And they're going outside what God wants for them and they're all looking for something to make them happy. And the only thing that can give us true satisfaction is the joy of the Lord. That's it. Our strength to stay. There's going to come a time when you're going to feel that temptation to quit. To flee from the truth and accept what the Bible calls those cunningly devised fables and embrace some some false version of, of religion having a form of godliness denying the power thereof. The only thing that will keep you in the right way and help you to stay the right path is the joy of the Lord. Strength to stand, strength to stay. It's our strength to suffer. Well, I I don't want that. I don't want to suffer. Me neither. The Bible tells us in Job chapter 14, verse 1, that man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. You know what that verse means? It's like that verse that said, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Here's what it means. Everybody is going to suffer. As we live this life, we endure hardships. People get sick. People die. People lose their jobs. People lose friends and family members and have heartbreak and have, have loss of, of loved ones. And we just, it's just a part of life. And and the longer we live, the, the more we all endure it. Because that's just the way it is. Man, this mortal woman is a few days full of trouble. But whether you're a Christian, or whether you're a, a heretic, or, or an infidel, or whatever, doesn't matter if you're lost or saved, you're going to endure suffering. It's going to happen. The difference is this. We can endure it, Because we have the joy of the Lord. The difference between them who are suffering and us who are suffering is that while we are going through hard times, we have the Lord. 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch that you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Amen. That there are times in life when we are going to endure suffering. It's just a part of life, but the joy of the Lord gives us the strength to go through the suffering with joy in our hearts. Have you ever gone to a funeral? Someone who lost a dear loved one, 
And yes, they are sorrowful. And yes, they are sad. But when you talk to them, they say, God is good. I just, I'm just trusting the Lord. Have you ever been in a funeral service where the Holy Spirit moved and people began to cry? Not because they lost a loved one, but because they knew they were on the other side and that their suffering had ended and that one day soon there would be a great reunion day. You know why that's possible? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Then I see Christians who endure suffering. They lose a loved one. They lose a job. They lose this. This happens. And suddenly, they're not at church. They're miserable all the time. They start going more and more toward the things of the world. And the reason is because they're not utilizing the number one resource that we have as Christians to get us through the hard times. And that's the joy of the Lord is our strength. We need joy. Life's hard. Have y'all, have y'all, have y'all noticed that sometimes life is hard? You invest in people and you do this and you go there and you do that and things don't go the way you thought they would. That job you thought you was going to get, it falls through. That person you thought was getting better, suddenly they take a turn for the worse. Things aren't great at home, things aren't great here, and there's a struggle here and a struggle there because life is tough. And the only thing that's going to get us through it is the joy of the Lord. It's our strength. I'm almost done today. I know I've already been 40 minutes. Let me talk to you finally about the subsiding of our joy. If you've been saved, do you remember what it was like? Do you remember what it was like when that fear just disappeared? Do you remember, do you remember what it was like? And I've heard people describe it different ways, like a great weight was lifted off their shoulders. Or, and suddenly you just had a smile. And you, just, you just wanted to tell everybody how that you've been saved and how that the Lord reached down. He, he saved you and how, how wonderful it was and how different you felt and because, you know, you were a new creature. You remember that? What happened? When did that change? Because here's the thing. Some of you sitting here going, yeah, amen, I got the joy of the Lord. But like I said, your face is telling us a different story. And so is your attitude, so are your words, so is your, you know, our seats are depleted, fewer people in the church, our services are, and not our church specifically, but churches across the nation. We're seeing seats that are more empty, we're seeing services that are dry, amen? You know what I'm saying? Are y'all with me? You know what I'm talking about? Dry, and, and it's like there's no movement, and, and, and our singing is dampened, people aren't singing out like they used to, they're just kind of mumbling around. And they'll kind of look through their, their purse or look at their phone or, or talk to this one or talk to that one. And, and, and there's just no interest in rejoicing. You know why? The joy has subsided. It's gotten less and less. And joy of the Lord is in the individual. Now, it, when we all come together in unity, and we sing out... Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. And every soul in the house that can stand and has a voice is singing together. And we're all focused and we're all lifting up. You know what? It does something. It does something. We come in here and, and this one's got joy and that one doesn't. And this one's got joy and that one doesn't. And we're just kind of... Our joy has depleted. We need first to recognize our shortage of joy. I need to recognize, and you need to recognize. If you've not rejoiced, you need to say, Lord, why am I not rejoicing? Lord, why am I not experiencing the joy of the Lord? Because can I tell you, the Lord wants you to experience His joy. He wants to bless you, and He wants you. You know what happens when you start rejoicing? You praise Him. And guess what? He likes that. The Lord likes to be praised. He likes to be worshipped. Psalm chapter 51. Psalm chapter 51 is a psalm that every single Christian should read at least on a monthly basis and maybe even on a weekly basis. Psalm chapter 51 says this, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. 
Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. This is written by David after his great failure. He said this, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest the truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, blot out all mine iniquities, create in me a heart, a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Listen. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. You say, Brother Paul, you know what? I, I'll admit it. My joy is just not what it used to be. The first thing you've got to do is you've got to recognize your shortage. You don't have joy. Not sister so-and-so who you like to think about all the time and pick out her problems, or brother so-and-so who you like to think about you. How's your joy? How's my joy? Amen? Don't look at that one over and say, you know what, they used to testify all the time, but I heard them testify in two years. You, how is your joy? How is yours? Because you're not going to get any more until you recognize that you have a problem. That you're the one who does not rejoice like you used to. That you're the one who doesn't smile. Who's got an angry, bitter spirit half the time. You are. Amen. And, and not one of us is above that. Y'all understand? Amen. There's been plenty of times my wife had to look at me and say, why are you just hateful all the time? Am I lying? You're hateful all the time. And when she says that, you know what I think? Am I being hateful all the time? What's wrong with me? And you can ask her, and she'll, she'll testify that I'll, I'll say, why you say that? What am I doing that makes you think I'm mad or I'm angry or I'm unhappy all the time? And she's had to tell me a few times, and I go, man, I didn't even know. I didn't realize because I'm dumb and thick-headed sometimes, and I do things I shouldn't do and say things I shouldn't say, and my joy gets low. And you know what I need to do? I need to go to Psalm 51 and pray. Say, Lord, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. That's what, that's what David said. David, who, who at one time literally danced in the streets and worshipped God as they rolled in with the Ark of the Covenant because God was in the camp rejoicing. I mean, just a model of rejoicing. And now he's going to God and saying, God, all I can think about is my sin and I've got no joy. Will you restore the joy of thy salvation? First, you've got to recognize your shortage. Secondly, you've got to repent from your sin. What do you say? Against thee and thee only have I sinned. And my sin is ever before me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and make a right spirit within me. Some of y'all don't have any joy because you got a life that's overrun with sin. You know it. Your spouse knows it. Your friends and your family know it. That you've got sin in your life and you're doing nothing with it. And can I help you? You'll never have joy until you repent of your sin. David wrote 12 verses there we read, and he didn't ask the Lord to restore his joy until verse 12. You know what those first 11 verses were all about? God have mercy. God forgive me. God, don't, don't, don't look at my sin, Lord. Wash me and clean me and forgive me. Wash me. Clean me, forgive me, give me mercy, help me, purge me with hyssop, wash me, hear me, God help me. Then he said, restore my joy. You want joy? You've got to recognize you need, a, you've got a shortage. And then secondly, you've got to repent from your sin. If you're not willing to repent from your sin, then forget about restoring your joy. We need to recognize our shortage, we need to repent of our sins, and we need to restore our song and restore our spirit. Psalm 27.1 the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom 
shall I be afraid. Verse 4, one thing about desire of the Lord that I, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret of His tabernacle shall He hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Verse 6, now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in His tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Ephesians 5, 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. When was the last time you had a song in your heart? Congregational song or a special song or just a walking around song. You know, them songs get in your head sometimes. And sometimes it's ones you don't want in your head. You get up in the morning, it's like, ah, that old song, that old wicked junk I used to listen to, it's been running through my head all day and I just, you know, I need to listen to some of the Lord's music. And, and you just get that, and the Lord will, will come along, and you'll go to a meeting, and you'll hear a song you never heard, or you'll hear this, or you'll be reminded of an old song, and you'll go around, and the Lord will just put it in your heart. And that joy will rise up. When's the last time that you had the right spirit and the right song in your heart? That you rejoiced. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You need to ask yourself this question and you need to answer, you need to answer honestly. How's your joy? How is your joy? Joy is not limited by your personality. Oh, I'm just not a very expressive person. When I first started pastoring here not long after pastoring, but the dentist came to me and told me. He said, I just want you to know if it looks like I'm not smiling, it ain't because I'm angry. So he let me know. He wanted me to know I'm not angry at you. He said, I, you know, this, this cheek don't want to lift up like it should. Right, brother? He wanted me to know. I got joy, brother. And I can tell you, I, I've, I've heard Brother Dennis stand up and shout and rejoice. I've seen him come down here and get so tore up and praying and rejoicing that he couldn't get back up for 15 minutes. I've seen the joy of the Lord in Brother Dennis. Amen. What about you? I can say I, I, can say I got so much joy pouring out my ears that everybody around me is looking at me going, that's an unhappy person. My joy's broke. And I got no strength. I got no strength. I've got no strength. Jace, you're going to go back to school here pretty soon and Get back out there, you're going to see all the junk we talked about in Sunday school this morning the world's going to have, and that's going to try and suck the, the life out of you and drain the Lord out of your heart and your life. The only thing that's going to make you strong enough to stand for the Lord in, in school is the joy of the Lord. You can know every verse in the Bible. You can know every verse in the Bible. Quote it back and forth, but you've got no joy, you've got no strength. You're not going to stand. When temptation comes, you're going to fall. When the, when the opportunity to quit on God comes, you're going to quit. You're going to throw up your hands. What's the use? Why? Because you've got no joy. Don't tell me you're full of joy when your heart is cold and you've not moved in, in the Lord and the Spirit and the church in months or some of us years. Amen. You need the Lord and you need to acknowledge your need and you need to come down and bow down at an altar. Amen. And say, like David did. You know what David did when David, when it called out and he came to the prophet Nathan and Nathan said, Thou art the man and he cheated on his wife and had that woman's husband killed and had a baby being born and the baby was sick. He went and he got down on the altar and he prayed and he prayed all night. They tried to get him to get up. He wouldn't. He prayed, he prayed, he prayed. And then they finally came to him. They said, the child had died. You know what he did? He got up. He worshiped the Lord. And they said, he prayed all night, sackcloth and ashes, begging God. But now you're rejoicing? You know what he said? He said, when the baby was still alive, there was hope that God might restore the child and the child might live. But now, he can't come to me. But one day I'll go to him. Because your joy is not determined by your personality. Well, I'm not expressive. I'm not a shouter. I'm not a runner. I'm not a holler. Okay, you don't got to be. But you know what? Sometimes lifting a holy hand and Tears running down the eyes, and a bowed head, and, and a smile. You don't got to be a charismatic king to do those things. The joy of the Lord in your heart will come out. 
Your personality does not determine the joy of the Lord, and neither does your circumstances. Not if it's the joy of the Lord. If you can only have joy in the good times, and you can only smile when things are all great, and everything's wonderful, and you can only praise God when all the blessings are pouring down out of heaven, that's not the joy of the Lord. That's the joy of your circumstances. The joy of the Lord, the source of our joy comes from God. If you've been born again, where's the joy of your acceptance? You believe in God, you believe that He is who He said He is, and that one day you'll see Him, where's the joy of your anticipation? You've been blessed by God, and, and the goodness of God's been poured on your life, and your children are healthy, and, and, and you're in church this morning, and, and all these things are happening, and, and you're here, and, and, and you, you've got a blessed life, then, then where is the joy of your assurance of His promises? We need to bow before God this morning. Admit that we need joy. Our church needs joy. In the services, in the pews. In the pulpit, we need joy. Let's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.